Welcome in to the Bonesville pregame podcast. Al Myatt joined by Kevin Monroe. Kevin, of course, an outstanding defensive back in his playing days at East Carolina. And Kevin will be in the booth on Saturday as the Pirates play their first home game against Marshall. 4 p.m. kickoff. East Carolina coming off a 30-3 loss at number two Michigan to open the season. Kevin, I thought East Carolina did some things very well in that game. I thought the rush defense was very sound. But the difference maker from the Wolverine standpoint, I think, was quarterback J.J. McCarthy. Very high completion percentage, 87%. Uh, he set a school record, and it seemed like he made the plays when needed. And uh, three touchdown passes to Roman Wilson on Saturday. Yeah, Al, it was uh, it was an interesting game to watch. I won't call it fun. Obviously, you, you know, you lose by 27 points. It's not it's not fun. But for Pirate fans, I think you, you learned a lot about your team because let's look at it. You, you, you had a couple of returners on the defensive line. You had no returners at linebacker. You had no returners at corner and you had you had a couple of returners at safety. And so this defense, you're wondering, OK, you know, how do you replace, you know, guys like Miles Berry at linebacker? Um, you know, but you do have Jeremy Lewis on the defensive line. You do have Elijah Morris defensive line, but you're wondering if can you really stop the run, you know, with brand new guys. And so I was, you know, from the very first offensive series for Michigan, the Pirates had them backed up. They go three and out. They're getting the running back on the ground. And this, you know, they got two running backs back there that are, you know, Heisman hopefuls, you know, top big, you know, big 10 uh, running backs. Um, and so you, you're thinking to yourself, this this team is going to run the ball down our throats and they're not going to stop until we stop them, which is probably going to be never. And uh, and you didn't feel like that. You, you felt like the Pirates were up to the task. Uh, their run game was fairly non-existent. Either one of those guys had 100 yards rush. I think I think one of them had a, a long run here or there. Um, but the Pirates played well against the run. The pass game was a little bit different. And, I, and I've got a couple different takes on that. One is that's supposed to be the best offensive line in the country, Michigan. And I, I, I'd like to think that between our blitzes and our defensive front, that we got a ton of pressure on McCarthy. He, if, you, if you remember, a lot of the big throws he made, he was on the run. We flushed him out of the pocket several times. I'd say about every two or three times he dropped back, he was getting flushed out of the pocket. Now, he was really good on the run. He made pinpoint passes. And you mentioned Wilson catching three touchdowns. You know, they, they made things happen when he was out of the pocket. But it wasn't like they just he just sat back there and had all day. And so that was impressive. Um, I, I like the pressure that our, our front four got. I like the pressure, you know, the blitzes from the linebacker position. You know, I think uh, the defense coordinator really had a good game plan. In the secondary, it, it's hard to say how well these new corners played because they did give up touchdowns. But I'll just remind folks that when a quarterback is scrambling, it's really hard to play corner because now all of a sudden – Routes break down, receivers change direction, and then that, instead of you know covering them for three or four seconds, now you're covering them for five or six seconds, and it's just almost impossible. So a lot of those plays that he was able to make on the run would just break down because he was flushed out of the pocket. And so I, I you know the jury's still out on how good those corners are. I thought the safeties came up and tackled well. Um, surely there's some things to be fixed in the secondary, but not a bad outing all in all for the defense. Well, Kevin, as if number two Michigan needed any help, they got uh, they got a, a favorable review on the 
possible fact that uh, McCarthy may have been beyond the line of scrimmage on the first touchdown pass. I think may have been may have been is the nicest thing you've ever said. He, he was <laughs> clearly past the line, so much so that the the official they had in the press box left no doubt. He said this this he's, he's completely past the line. This will be overturned. Like he he didn't even leave like a one percent chance that they might not overturn it. So it was just a shock and awe to to everyone. I think probably even the Michigan fans when it was called a touchdown. And and you know my father and brother and I talked about this. And I and honestly, you know, you'd like to think that refs are objective, but they're human beings. And they're in a stadium of one hundred nine thousand people, probably the biggest crowd they've ever refed in front of. And there's just a tendency to 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 keep everyone in that stadium happy. And you know, I, I think that. Coach Houston ended up uh, going to to the NCAA with 12 calls that he wanted to uh, challenge, you know, after the game. And six of them were overturned by the officials, including the uh, the targeting hit um, where our guy gets tossed out of the game. So he he will be able to start the Marshall game, which is which is good. Well, it was a Big Ten crew, and we'll leave that situation at that. Um, Coming out of that game, Pirates played two quarterbacks. Coach Mike Houston indicates that that is probably going to be a continuing situation. Yeah, you know what? Going into the game, I I, I didn't feel great about that. And, you, you know, I spoke out about how I, I, I felt that it was Mason Garcia's turn. You know, he, he waited his time behind Holt Naylor's, you know, going on three years. And it was his turn. We heard so much about his arm talent, so much about how his ability to run the football, how big and strong he is, how it's hard to get him on the ground. You know, we, you know, we've heard grumblings about how he's not picking up the playbook the way you'd like for him to, but you kind of wanted them just to figure it out and let him go play. But after watching that game, I was I was extremely impressed with Alex Flynn and his ability to come in that game, you know, ha- you know, halfway through the first quarter or second quarter, whenever he came in. And to just calm everything down, to make a couple throws to show that we could complete passes, to get the running game going a little bit, but to to be pinpoint and precise in his throws uh, and to make those DBs have to cover because Mason struggled in the very beginning. And, it, it, he, you know, he was making errant throws. You know, things weren't clicking. And Flynn really settled everything down to keep us in the game in that first part. So I think he deserves the opportunity to keep playing if he's going to play like that. now. Mason did come back in the second half. He played well, played much better. Some people will say, well, Michigan started taking their starters out, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, he's Michigan backups. Some of those guys are still going to be in the NFL. So he still played against good talent, as good a talent as we'll see the rest of the year. Uh, and he and he, and he he did a much, much better. So I don't know how they work in the two quarterbacks. I think they're flipping them every other series, every other quarter. Maybe you stick with the hot hand. I still think once Mason develops – He's the more talented of the two, and you'd like to get to a scenario where he is the starter ongoing, but he's not there yet. And so I don't have a problem with them figuring it out as long as it doesn't mess up the rhythm of the offense. Mason Garcia had uh, two nice drives, I thought, in the fourth quarter. Pirates went for a uh, fourth and about five, I think, uh, deep in Michigan territory, and Mason scrambled, came up short, but they did get the ball back, I think. East Carolina had like a 119 to 14 total yardage advantage in the fourth quarter. And then with a 312 game scoring streak on the line, East Carolina finished on a high note and got in position for a 
a game-ending field goal by Andrew Conrad. So the scoring streak survives on the trip to Michigan. Yeah, and you know I don't have a problem with that. You know you don't you you don't want to come home scoring zero points. So uh, fun fact for you, I it was my first college start that 1997 Syracuse game in the Carrier Dome against Donovan McNabb when they beat us 56 to nothing. So I know all about the last time the Pirates were shut out and uh, deservedly so. That was a very very good uh, Syracuse team. And I would argue that they was probably as loud or louder in the Carrier Dome than it was in the big house, even though they have 30,000 less fans because they're in that dome and they're right on top of you. And it was crazy time. But, yeah, I, I like seeing the Pirates fight there in the fourth quarter and find a way to, to get in scoring position and, and Conrad knock that field goal through because it just gives you a sense of accomplishment. And that, that's something they hadn't had most of the game. I feel like maybe the, the defense, the D-line, linebackers specifically – because of how well they did in the run game, they had a sense of accomplishment, but not a whole lot was happening on offense. And so for, for Mason and his confidence to get those drives going and for Conrad to knock it through in the hostile environment, I think it was a big deal. Well, Kevin, uh, you had a challenge at Syracuse defending Donovan McNabb, as I recall. I remember that game. I bumped into uh, Jim Beheim in the press box. Oh, nice. Syracuse, but – uh, moving forward, we got uh, Marshall coming in. First home game for the Pirates in 2023, 4 p.m. kickoff, Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Kevin, this is a series that has uh, some very significant history, and East Carolina leads the series. But you go back to 1970, and there was the plane crash on the return trip for Marshall. And most of the team's players and coaches uh, passed away uh, with that fatal flight. And then you move forward, uh, 2001, certainly a big moment in Pirate Thundering Herd history. A bowl game in Mobile, 64-61, and, and the David Garrard and, and Byron Leftwich matched up in that one. A lot of points. And... Uh, and East Carolina came up on the short end. Uh, just recently in the Mike Houston era, you've got uh, a trip to Marshall in 2021. East Carolina really in need of a win. I think it was the third game of the season. And Holton Aylers rallied the Pirates in the fourth quarter. And uh, East Carolina came home with a victory. I think they were down 17 or 21 going to the fourth quarter. So great win. And then uh, the next game in the series will be Saturday. Marshall comes in, 21-17 win over Albany in their season opener. Pirates, of course, uh, looking to uh, regain some momentum. They'll be going to Appalachian uh, the following week. So uh, the stage is set for uh, another uh, chapter in the Marshall East Carolina series. Yeah, uh, Al, you know, we will forever be linked with Marshall because of the 1970 plane crash. It's one of the, the, the hugest tragedies in sports history uh, of any sports. Um, and it's just, it's as a, as a player, it's something that I thought a little bit about on every road trip through the air. Uh, you just, you just, you never know when something like that could happen. Obviously, it doesn't happen very often, but it's just something that always sticks with you. Uh, and to know that they were on their way back home after playing East Carolina, to have that happen is just uh, it's it's a gut punch. Um, and to you know to have them bounce back their university, their their football program the way they did, and, and so to have a lot of great years since then, 
Uh, you just you, you have to root for them when you when they're not playing for the Pirates. Uh, it's just it's just a great great story. Um, so yeah, it, it's I'm you know I'm, I'm the son of an of an Air Force major, uh, and so I've flown a bunch in my life, but I don't love it. And uh, yeah, that that Marshall plane crash often often it runs through my mind. Uh, but you know you, you fast forward to the 2001 that bowl game. That's a couple years after my career, but a lot of the guys I played ball with. We're still on the team, you know, David Garrard, obviously, you know, guys like Leonard Henry, um, a lot of the young receivers that I played with um, were still there and defensive players and stuff. And uh, what a great game that was. I mean, for defense, maybe not great because neither team could stop the other one. Uh, but just the back and forth, I, you know, uh, Brian Leftwich was banged up in that game. Uh, and so, you know, he was fighting through injury. You know, David Garrard just made throw after throw after throw. And, you know, it's whenever they show kind of the, the greatest games, you know, on ESPN, the bowl game specifically, that game gets aired. And so uh, it's kind of cool to be a part of that. You, you hate that you came on the wrong side of it, but that was really cool. You mentioned the the comeback with the Pirates in, in 2021, Holt Nailers, and, you know, being down a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter and finding a way to win on the road, uh, that's a big deal. It's hard to win there. You know, going back to the Randy Moss days, they packed that stadium and they, they get really excited about the Thunder and Herd. And so – uh, to find a way to win on the road uh, in overtime was a big deal. And so they roll in here, you know, Saturday and, um, you know, they'll be ready to win. You know, they didn't have a great showing in their first game against Albany, uh, only 21 points scored. Uh, you know, they probably didn't get done a lot of things that they wanted to get done, uh, but they, they've got a pretty good running back in Ali Rasheen and, you know, quarterback Cam Francher, you know, completed 80% of his passes. Uh, on Saturday uh, against Albany, and so they've got some they've got some things they can get done offensively to hurt you. They only gave up 17 points defensively, uh, so you know they're gonna have guys flying around and can make plays. This is a Marshall team that can certainly beat the Pirates. They're favored going into the game. Um, you know at, that's after the Pirates. You know you know, lose by 27 on the road and uh, have a two quarterback situation. I'm, I'm sure it's hard for the prognosticators to pick this game. But I expect the Pirate defense to show up in a big way, um, and, and I think they'll be okay. But this certainly will be uh, a hard-fought game. Well, Kevin, just talk about the difference in environments because you've played on that turf at Dowdy Ficklin, and you know what an impact Pirate Nation can have on a football game. And it's quite a contrast to go from being the visitor in the big house to playing in the Fick. Yeah, I don't know that there's a, a more fun place to play in the country for my money. Uh, you know, Daddy Ficklin Stadium is just a, it's just one of those places where the fans love their sports. They love their team. They love the Pirates uh, and they love football and they love the, the root, root on the Pirates. And so, you know, we've forever been one of the non-conference, um, you know, non-Power 5 conference leaders in attendance uh, over the years, you know, and so. I, I expect Daddy Ficklin to be packed full of people. Uh, we're coming off back-to-back, -back, you know, bowl-bound seasons. Things are looking up for the Pirates. They had a decent showing at Michigan. So I think I think Daddy Ficklin Stadium will be rocking. I expect the, the students to be, you know, super excited to be back in the stadium, the fans, the season ticket holders. You know, my family are season ticket holders uh, as well as my parents. And so I expect everybody to be there and making it loud. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and it'd be a fun, fun environment. It, it, it won't be Michigan. Um, but, you know, how loud is loud, right? Once you get over 50,000 fans, I mean, it all sounds the same. So I expect it to be pretty rowdy in, in Daddy Ficklin. Absolutely. And then, Kevin, the running game, 
ECU played multiple running backs at Michigan. The running game just had a few moments really where it shone, but if those guys can get going, that takes some pressure off whoever is at quarterback, and that could be a big factor set. Yeah, I mean, we, we all know what Rosie Harris can do. Um, you know, he had a big, you know, a big season a couple of years ago uh, before his injury. Um, and then obviously Keaton Mitchell stepped up last year in his absence, but he seems to be back, maybe not with the same explosion as he once had, but he'll continue to build that strength in that knee, continue to get more confidence in that knee. A lot of times it's mental, right? You have to get past the fact that if I cut here, cut there, I'm still, I'm going to be okay. You know, if I accelerate to that second and third gear, I'm going to be okay. And so he'll get better, he'll get faster, but we saw some, some, some flashes of it against Michigan, what he could do. Marlon Gunn, I mean, he came in last year uh, to kind of, you know, give Keith Mitchell a blow from time to time. And he was really good. He's got he's got Keaton Mitchell type talent in that he can run away from people, uh, gets through the hole quickly. Um, so he's that, that that all speed back. And then Bond, I think it's kid's name uh, that came in uh, the the freshman catches the ball out of the backfield. He's quick and strong. You know, not many true freshmen play. You know, in in, in Division One FBS football and play at a high level. I think he's going to play at a high level given the opportunity. So. You know, you don't want to burn a kid's red shirt and not and not use him to the fullest. So I expect to see a lot out of him this season. So that running back room is full. There's a couple others I didn't even mention that that you know may get some snaps, uh, may have some opportunities. But the Pirates can run the football, uh, and they showed that in the Michigan game. Kevin, in terms of special teams, we missed uh, mentioned uh, Andrew Conrad's game-ending field goal, but Archer Trafford, the punter, he has apparently uh, won that job and. He had a 67-yarder down at the two-yard line uh, after the first ECU series in that game, and uh, that type of performance is really going to be a plus for the Pirates. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, you you know, you have a, a punter that can control the field, and, uh, and it was kind of cool having Andrew Bays on the broadcast to talk about it. One of the greatest punters in ECU history, if not the greatest. Uh, so to to kind of you know welcome in a new punter in a, in a gosh in an environment like that, you know, you 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 think that you're going to shank a few of them, but he held steady. Uh, had a good average on the day, um, and that and that first one was a big one because, as you said, it pinned them deep. It gave the defense confidence. They could kind of pin their ears back and go after them, which they did. They got the field uh, in a three and out and were able to flip the field. Now, the offense didn't do much with it, but just having that threat from the punter uh, is a big deal. Andrew Conrad uh, was able to knock a field goal through, obviously a big deal uh, for him and his confidence. Uh, so special teams-wise, there was really no, no letdowns, coverage teams, uh, did a good job, you know. No, no big, huge returns for for Michigan. Uh, not a whole lot in the return game for the Pirates. Obviously, I don't know if Michigan even punted in that game, but uh, in terms of kickoff return, we we fair caught a few of them. So you really you really didn't see the kickoff returners do much. Uh, but we know we have some talented guys back there in the return game. Kevin, the weather looks good for Saturday, and let's talk about that uh, Bonesville tradition. Kevin's keys to the game. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting um, being back home. I, I want to start with that. You know, you, you get back in that home environment. You want to take advantage of the crowd, uh, of the moment, uh, and play well at home. So I, I just think the, the energy of the crowd uh, is going to be a factor. I think the ability to get loud and cause uh, maybe some offsides or, or false start penalties from Michigan. Uh, so, the, you know, I don't use the, the home crowd often, but I think it's a, it's a big deal in this, in this opening game, seeing what they saw in Michigan. The crowd would be a huge deal in this game. Secondly, I think you got to establish a running game. You know, you're, you're, you're flip-flopping on quarterbacks. You don't know who's going to be in there, what their rhythm is going to be like, how they're going to throw the football. But I know if you get the running game going, 
with the three guys that we mentioned to start with, um, I think that takes the pressure off the passing game. Takes the you know, you, uh, we had, we had a receiver go down in that first game. Uh, we had uh, Kerry King went down in in, uh, in the preseason, and so we we're down a little bit in receiver. So we got to have some young guys step up. So if that if that running game can get going, I think it'll it'll take the pressure off the, off the two quarterbacks and the, and the receivers in the passing game, <clears throat> and then defensively, you know, Marshall wants to run the football. Uh, you know, they had 26 carries in that last game. Uh, Ali Rasheen had 18 of those carries, and he had. 137 yards of rushing, 7.6 yards of carry. So he's a guy that can that can get it done. Uh, they want to run it, but they also throw the football. And they threw it 35 times against Albany. And so we got to be sound defensively, uh, protect you know in the in the run game, get the guy on the ground, but also in the back end we got to be better. Uh, the, the Pirates didn't uh, perform up to their ability uh, in the back end. That's going to start with those guys getting pressure up front on Cam Fancher. So uh, we'll see how they perform, but if they can. One, get the crowd involved early and, and keep that momentum. Uh, two, find a way to run the football uh, with those three running backs and, and be effective to help take pressure off quarterbacks. And then three, defensively, be stout up front, be stout against the run game and protecting the back end. I think those are the keys to the game on Saturday. Sounds good. We'll see how things unfold in the home opener for the Pirates. And maybe East Carolina can do something that Notre Dame couldn't do. And that's beat the Thundering Herd at home. Kevin, as always, great talking with you on the Bonesville pregame podcast, and we'll look forward to next week. Appreciate it, Al.